I am very excited to introduce our first outside speaker of the year, uh, Pastor Eric McDaniel from Grace Church in Jasper, Tennessee. He's been pastoring there about a year and a half. Uh, Eric is a 1995 Covenant College Scott graduate. Uh, <clears throat> he is married to his lovely wife, Maggie, and they have six children, and we are going to give him a warm Scott's welcome, Pastor Eric McDaniel. Thank you. It is an honor to be here today, a privilege that um, I didn't earn even remotely while I was based on the time I was here, actually. Um, so I'm thankful that you all would risk having me. So um, I have some great memories from this place, really, really great memories. My relationship with Covenant College began when I was in high school. I had the opportunity to watch my older brother come up here and play soccer and live on the ghetto and I got to stay with him so the hall still exists good good um, and, and, and his stories captured my imagination and I wanted my own soccer stories I wanted my own ghetto stories which I have some great adventures with Tucker and Vinoy and Hitchcock in particular but um, that's a different story but anyhow I have some great memories from being up here I remember my freshman year, one of my first memories of, of Covenant College um, of, of a student was, it was my birthday in October, and um, the assistant coach, who was a fifth-year senior and happened to be one of my roommates, said, hey, Coach Crossman wants us to get here early um, so we can sit together up front, and, um, and so I, I'm a good person. I want to do the right thing. So I got here early. I left class early. Um, and was met by my teammates who then wrestled me to the ground and duct taped my hands and my feet and put a mask on me, wrote a message, happy B-Day to me. And then, um, which was really fun, they put me on a toilet on rollers. And during chapel, they opened that door and pushed me out. I'm so glad to see my pain brings you such joy. Um, and, and then someone ran up here and took the mask off my face and the speakers up here, not knowing what to do. And that was a, a fun memory. Um, I remember my sophomore year um, playing soccer. I remember my mom coming up here and doing chapel. That was a neat experience for me. I remember Dr. Halverson's last match as a Covenant Scott losing uh, to Tennessee Wesleyan. <laughs> Again, I'm so glad his pain brings you such joy. Um, I remember telling him afterwards, I'm sorry we didn't win for you. I remember the feeling of, of that. I remember um, later in the year in a talent show, dancing like Michael Jackson, and I won first place and got two tickets, and I took my now wife, then girlfriend, on a fancy date. That was a lot of fun. I remember um, my, my junior year, we were a really good team, and I enjoyed the success that we had. We got up to number nine in the country. 
And I remember in the district championship, we were playing here at Scotland Yard, and, and everybody was out cheering. It was so much fun. We were winning 2-1 to one late in the game, and the other team was pushing, pushing, pushing. They're trying to score. We're defending, defending. And all of a sudden, the ball pops through, and I happen to be the furthest most person down the field. And the goalkeeper and I both met at the ball at the same time, and we both whiffed it. But it kept going forward, and now I'm in front of an open goal, and I shot and scored and looked at the clock. There's 45 seconds left. And it was a game-clinching, district-clinching goal. And it was such a wonderful memory for me. I remember afterwards um, at the season that allegedly some of us may or may not have gotten into the gym very, very late at night and hung our jerseys in the rafters like we'd been retired, the jerseys, because we thought a lot of ourselves. Um, <laughs> allegedly. And um, I remember my senior year, being married, living off campus, and coming back up into this, and coming to chapels, when I wasn't having to come, I was coming because I wanted to be here, and that was a difference in my life. Um, my wife brought a lot of differences into my life, I'm so grateful, but I remember having stars in my eyes and dreams in my, my mind about what the future held. I remember thinking, as I went to my first interview, while I was still a student, that the world is my oyster. I have such good memories of Covenant College. And I remember two years ago, dropping my son off, Josiah, uh, as a freshman. And I remember Maggie and I sitting in the great hall and looking at all of the students. And I remember the pain in my heart thinking, you have no idea the amount of pain that awaits you in life. Let's close in prayer. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> In all seriousness, 99.83472 of you still have your biggest sins ahead of you. You are yet to commit presumptuous, intentional sins that will bring you and your family and your friends shame and dishonor. And only slightly less, 94.639 to be scientific, have yet to go through your greatest tragedies in life. Tragedies, plural. Some of you will experience habitual sin so bad that you can't breathe because you hate what you do so badly. Some of you will kill your own marriages. Some of you will experience the death of a child, the death of a spouse, the death of a dream. Some of you have broken friendships, horrible business ventures that go horribly wrong. What in the world will make you get up in the morning? What will help you to be able to breathe in and breathe out? What will help you to go left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot? That's all I have. I can promise you it won't be what you accomplished in your glory days at Covenant College. The thing that will propel you forward won't be all the great memories you have. It won't be what you think people remember about you and how great you think you were while you were here. The only thing that will help you move forward is this. God remembers you. Let me say that one more time because it's quite simple. God remembers you.
Most of you, if not everyone, is familiar with the flood narrative, Noah, the ark. I want to read to you from Genesis chapter 7. This is where God is judging the whole earth because of man's sinfulness that is so pervasive. And I want to pick up in verse 17. Feel free to turn there if you have that, but don't on your cell phones. I think that's illegal. But here's what the scriptures say from Genesis chapter 7, verse 17 and following. The flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth and the ark floated on the face of the waters. The waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains covering them 15 cubits deep and all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left, and those who were with him in the ark, and the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. It's the earth's darkest moment. It doesn't get any worse. Everything is washed away. God in his holiness judges the sins of his enemies. God remembers their sins and judges them accordingly because his justice and holiness demand it. This is earth's bleakest moment. It doesn't get any worse Many of us will live this life and there will be times where we feel the flood waters of sin and sin's effects in our lives. We will feel like God is heavy upon us. What is it that's going to help us keep going? And it happens here in, in uh, Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. Listen to this phrase, it's fantastic. But God remembered Noah. And all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. God remembered Noah. Do you know what that means? That God would remember his person, someone he has poured his favor upon, has had grace upon. It, it doesn't mean that God flooded the earth and he's looking down at everything that he had once had created and it was once good and even very good and that God is looking at the destruction and all of a sudden he thinks... Oh, jeez, I got an ark out there. I'm sorry. Noah, animals, my bad, my bad. I forgot. And now he's remembered. That's not what it means. What it means for God to remember his people is that he's about to act on their behalf. God is about to act on Noah's behalf. He's going to use Noah and his family and all the animals in the ark to repopulate the earth, to renew all things. Other remembrance of God happened, you, you know the story of Jacob and Rachel. Rachel, Jacob's beloved wife, can't have children. And it says in Genesis that God remembered Rachel. And that's when she had Joseph. Hannah, also barren, longs to have a child. And it says that God remembered Hannah. And she bears Samuel. Of course, the nation of Israel, in slavery and bondage in Egypt... 
they cry out to God, and it says that God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What does it mean for God to remember his people? It means he's about to act on their behalf to bring about good. Ladies and gentlemen, I propose to you anyone who is united to Christ has God's favor upon them, has God's active remembrance upon them. You know this to be true. You know that God has acted on behalf of us and that he gave his one and only son. You know that Christ came and actively gave his life for us. He lived the perfect life that we cannot possibly live. He died the death we absolutely deserve to die. And he rose gloriously so that we would never have to taste the eternity of death in, away from God. This is why God in the past has acted on our behalf. God remembers you. But it doesn't stop there. God's promise, the Emmanuel promise, I will be with you to the very end of the age. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will be with you. You will never walk alone. That's the promise of the gospel. God remembers you even now in this present evil age. Every step that you take, every breath of air that you breathe, God remembers you and acts on your behalf. He promises to transform you through the power of the Holy Spirit. He promises to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. God remembers you. And of course, you know the end of the story is that God will always remember you. The covenant he strikes with us is an eternal covenant. It's one that can't be defeated. It's one that can't go away. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The promise of the gospel is not only that God acts on our behalf, that God remembers us in the past, in the present, but also the future. There is a time coming where Jesus will come back and he will make all wrong things right. He will work sin against itself to bring him glory and even his people good. God remembers you. Here we are at the, one of the first chapels of the year. Some of you as freshmen... This is your first taste of Covenant College. Perhaps at this moment in this time, this is what you need to hear to carry you through because there are some who are sitting here, even in college, you will make some horrible decisions. I cannot encourage you enough to hold on to the fact that God remembers you. I have another good memory from, from my time at Covenant. It was my junior year, and we were about to play in a, a soccer match, and Coach Crossman asked uh, a, a soccer alumni who had been in town. He lived in St. Louis, and he was a, he's a pastor, and he came down to um, just be at Covenant again. And Coach Crossman said, hey, will you come and give a little bit of a devotional before the match? So he says, sure. We're all in the locker room, and he told this story about himself. He was at a time here at Covenant where he was in his darkest hours. He was frustrated, and he was sitting in here alone in the chapel telling God how angry he was at him and how much he didn't understand what God was doing in his life, why he had allowed certain injuries to happen to him. He played soccer, he loved the game, and he had gotten injured, and, and God had taken some joy away from him. He didn't understand all these things, and he was mad at God. He was thinking, God, you're not a good God. And he was sitting in here alone, praying angrily, and he had a friend who knew he was upset and came in here and saw him talking, and he said, hey, how are you doing? He said, not good, leave me alone. He said, I I'm not going to do that. Here's what I want you to do. And he said, I, I want you to come with me. And he's, my friend was sitting there, and he came, and he said, I want you to come stand by this window. And so 
he, he took um, this, this friend, took my friend to the window, and he stood him about two feet away from as close as he could to that window, and he said, what do you see? And he said, I, I see this as a stupid exercise. I don't want to do this. He's like, no, 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 what do you see? He said, I, I see stained glass. He's like, okay, good. What do you see? And he looked at it, and he said, I see some red, I see blue, got some green right here. He said, good, 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 that, I like that. I want you to take a couple steps back. And he stood him about right here. And he said, what do you see? Just look straight forward. What do you see? And he said, I see the creation account. Um, I see moon and star. I see the sun. I see um, uh, you know, green. Oh, I see little figures down here. Adam and Eve look like they've been created. I see that. And he said, that's good, 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 good. I like that. He brought him back to the end of the stage. He said, what do you see? He said, um, you know, as I look, he said, don't look up. Just look there. He said, well, I see uh, it is creation. Um, looks like Abraham, uh, I don't know if that's, what that is, a sacrifice. Oh, it looks like Adam and Eve are, are being cast out. There's shame. Um, I see uh, Noah's Ark. I do see that. Um, and he's just going on there. And he's like, okay. He said, that's great. And he took them all the way back to the back of the chapel. And he said, Chris, what do you see? And he said, I see the whole story. He said, that's right, you do. He said, I see the creation. I see the shame of the fall. I see all the stories, David with the sheep and the harp. I see Christ on the cross paying for the sins. And as it goes up, Christ ascended and Christ reigning in glory. I see the whole picture. He said, that's right, Chris, you do. He said, what we believe these scriptures teach us is captured in this stained glass window. This is my message to each one of you today from the scriptures God remembers you he remembers you in your deepest darkest hours your greatest sins your greatest tragedies who you were at Covenant College or in high school won't matter in your greatest sins and tragedies the memories, the good memories, won't carry you through very, very far. The only thing that will help you get up in the morning to breathe in and out, to go left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, is this. God has acted on your behalf, past, present, and future. God remembers you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a good God, whether we feel it or not. And we come before you this morning, boldly approaching your throne in the name of Jesus Christ alone. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would please cement your gospel to our hearts, that when we have nothing else and all has been stripped away, we have the promise that you remember us. May that propel us through our darkest moments. For your kingdom's sake, amen.